Welcome back to another episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my friend, the founder and CEO of Startups.com. Will, we all know startups are a game of challenge and sacrifice and risk. But at what point do we cross a line which is not worth it anymore? Right? Like, where does that happen? I think way before we even realize it, right? I think that's that's the point. That's what we should dig into today. There is a point. There actually is a point where whatever you're sacrificing just isn't okay anymore. And I feel like for a lot of founders, we don't feel like we're allowed to even talk about that. We're, we're not allowed to say, you know, fuck this. <laughs> like This is too much. And I think that's a dangerous proposition. Over the past year, we're reflecting on, in this case, if we're timestamping it, 2022 was a disaster at so many levels. It was the worst year for tech in like decades, right? So with that came just an absolute gutting of tons and tons of startups. With that comes all of the founders like us that had to lead those startups and take all the pain and let's call it what it is, trauma that it would take to lead those startups with the idea that there's going to be some big benefit out of it. Well, what if there isn't? What if even if you get to whatever benefit, the promised land you think you're going to get to, the cost to get there was too much? For sure. Before we dig in, and I, we've got a great breakdown for how we're going to divide this up, kind of three major categories here. But before we dig into that, back up to something you said right at the beginning, which is, and as founders, we don't even feel like we're allowed to talk about this. Because I think this is the root of the problem, right? This is why we end up way beyond the point of no return before we decide to return. So let's let's talk about that for a minute before we kick the rest of this off. Why the hell is it that we feel so comfortable talking about so many other aspects of our startup companies, but when it comes to the downside, when it comes to the burnout, when it comes to the risk and where our tolerance and limit and threshold for that is, why are we so I'm going to say scared because I think that's where a lot of it comes from. It's a point of fear. Why are we so scared to talk about this? I'll give you an example. And so having lived it, and you've lived it as well, but but here was my version firsthand. I start my first company. I just don't know any better. So a lot of it's just pure ignorance. And I'll never forget, first year, I was living in Ohio. I grew up in Connecticut. And first year, Christmas comes around. And I can't make it home for Christmas. Now, not totally unusual, but certainly the first Christmas that I hadn't spent with my family. And Christmas, for most people, is a fairly typical holiday to see your family. But I couldn't because I had too much work to do. Because I had started this company. Everything was on my shoulders. And I was like, sorry, can't make it. Now, it wasn't just Christmas. It was every other day that year. So Christmas was just the one day you'd think like, okay, you know, we can you know, finally put it aside. <clears throat> Didn't do it. Now, here's what happens creeps up on you initially. Next year goes by. I'm working just as hard every waking hour, seven days a week. And mind you, I love it. I'm actually really enjoying it because it's something that I just, I couldn't believe I could build something myself. But Christmas comes around again. Guess what? Not going to be there. Christmas comes around again. Guess what? Not going to be there. At what point do I ever get those Christmases back? I mean, the answer is never. But now keep pushing. Now I'm looking at things like vacation, time off. I didn't take a vacation or any time off for seven years. So that's from when I'm 19 to 26. Now you could look at that in a couple different ways. One way you could look at it as in, man, those are years that you you can you know, put in the effort and not be sacrificing family. Another is, wait, you never went on spring break even though you're in college, <laughs> right? Yep. You never did all the things that people do in their 20s? No, I'd forgotten all of them. 
because I was building company. But my point is not just the fact that that I sacrificed over and over and over, it's that I didn't see it coming. I was just forgoing that one vacation, that one trip, that one Christmas, but it started to build. And the things we're going to talk about today, the categories of sacrifice that really just aren't okay, that's how they happen. They happen 1% at a time, Yep. but they stack. So many things in startup land, right? It's death by a thousand cuts and it's victory by a thousand small wins, right? We've talked about it and it works both ways, right? We see this when, when things start to go bad, tend not to be catastrophically bad. Yes, there are major catastrophes, those things happen. Uh, but to your point, most of these things are kind of a small, tiny little things creeping up to on us over time. Victory looks the same way, right? Like it's rare that you just all of a sudden hit this crazy inflection point, you go viral, something happens, and bang, you're an overnight success, right? Yeah, 10 years later, uh, you're an overnight <laughs> right, success. Right. It's, I still want to stick on this point for a second, and it's the the why we're afraid to talk about it. I think you did a great job of laying out like symptomatically. So, I mean, and that's part part of it is that we don't start talking about it soon enough because we don't even realize it's happening. But once we get to that point where we are aware that we now realize, like I have overmaxed my personal limit of whatever of the categories we'll get into today. Why aren't we willing to talk about it at that point? What is it that's that's really keeping us from opening our mouths and saying, you know, I think maybe this has gone too far? I think we don't do it until it is so thrust upon us that we can no longer answer it. So, you know, I've told on, on previous episodes of cases where my heart stopped, right? I mean, there's just no way to answer that. Or people go bankrupt. No way to answer that. Like, we get to a point, we get to a divorce. The hand is forced. Yep. Right. I think that's a, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. That's why we're, we're airing this episode. <laughs> we want to avoid that. We want to avoid feeling that I'm just going to keep chipping away until I'm in a fatal position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're saying, look, man, if we were going to gain 100 pounds, why weren't we concerned at, a, at five or 10? That's the thing. And I think that one of the things that I hope come out of this episode is that we unlock the door to this narrative so you can start talking about it now. You're like, maybe just start considering what are my various limits? How far am I willing to push this? What will change those things, right? You know, giving up a couple of Christmases in your early 20s when you're single, not awesome, but it's not the same thing as, I don't know, giving up Christmases when you have three children and you're in your mid 40s like I am. Like, that would be a really unpopular decision with at least three humans I know, right? Like, it would, it would just be. A disaster. And so I want to open the door to the narrative. I want to make sure that we're talking about this stuff because when I hear it, I will probably be the same for you. When we talk to founders, it's almost always some version of post-mortem. And I don't mean that literally in the case of the founder, I mean the post-mortem in the case of the disaster, the startup, whatever it was that transpired. It's typically this revisionist history around why it had to go down that way. You know, what happened? We're really making excuses about what's already gone on rather than talking about what can I do about this before it gets critical. So, you know, th th there's another piece to that. Let me build on that. When I was taking that Christmas off or, you know, forgoing that Christmas, so to speak, I was so micro focused on the moment that if someone had just pulled me aside, someone that I respected that, you know, can, had done this before and said, you know, dude, it's, it's three days. It's not going to make a lick of difference in, the, in this, the span of your career or your business, but it's, it'll be the only memory that you wish you didn't overlook. And that's what I tell people now. And they're burnt out or they're going to forgo something big or something like that. I say, look, in life, you've got a, a specific number of moments that you kind of just don't get back. Don't sacrifice those. The other ones, you know, what you're going to do on a random Tuesday, uh, sort of who cares, right? And, and I could make an argument there too. But man, the ones that matter, matter.
They do. And those stack up too, right? Whatever it is that we think we're gaining and that we're probably not by missing those, there is so much accumulated debt that goes well beyond just the regret of it, right? From burnout to the rest of it. All right, let's, let's dig into it. Let's, let's get into it. What's, where do you want to start? The first casualty is always your health. Always your health. And it's the one that we chip away at. And let's talk about the buckets of your health because I want to make sure everybody's looking at it the same way. We've got our physical health right? That's everything from just like our appearance, you know, cosmetically to our heart not working or, you know, just, you know, something larger that's manifesting. We've got our emotional health, just like our state our you know, how are we feeling, et cetera. And then of course we've got our mental health, right? Just, you know, anxiety, depression, et cetera. And all of these things tend to be tied together. The problem is there's no good meter for most of them. When I hop on the scale every morning, I know exactly whether physically I'm probably doing good or bad things but there's no scale for my emotions, right? There's a lot of other indicators that things probably aren't good, but I don't have a good binary scale to say, you know what? You're gaining a lot of weight in the anxiety category. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like trying to assess whether or not you're okay to drive when you've been drinking, right? Like you're not in a proper mindset or state of mind condition to be able to make that call, right? Same thing happens when our physical, mental, and emotional health start to suffer. The physical one, again, a little bit easier to see, right? It manifests itself in very specific ways that most of us are able to recognize or are easier for other people to recognize, right? Like, hey, you, you seem to be putting on weight, or hey, you seem to be losing a lot of weight, or hey, you had a lot of you know, dark circles under your eyes. They're just things that people notice. People tend not to comment on mood or emotional state, right? Or things you can't see. Right, things you can't see. Cholesterol. You not know, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? And the point, though, is what's too much? Right. Okay, if I gain 10 pounds over the course of my seven years, okay, you know, it's probably not too much. I'm assuming it was all lean muscle, right? <laughs> Never. And this isn't just about the cosmetics of it. I'm saying the health that comes with it. If I get a couple scares at the doctor because my cholesterol's, you know, a little off the charts, is that too much? Mm, uh, sort of. Yeah. All right. If I am depressed, anxious, and not just like the typical that everybody is, but I mean, if I'm notably clinically depressed every day, is that too much? And by the way, that's usually where I see it the most often you know, where I talked to founders in there, they have lost sense for what a baseline of mental or emotional health could even be anymore. They have just been an absolute state of trauma 24 seven that they forgot. It reminds me of when soldiers talk about being in the trenches, they're getting bombed so often that they forgot that bombs aren't supposed to go off in your life. Correct. 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 Yeah. I think this is, and, and you and I both started very young, and I think there's a trend now where we're starting to see founders start younger and younger. May not even be that they've forgotten. They don't even know what adult life really looks like. You and I both transitioned into this. We were starting companies around the same time we got the right to vote. Right? So yeah. like, <laughs> right, we didn't right, know right. what grown up life was supposed to look like. And we developed into adults alongside of, or in spite of, or we didn't, you know, there was definitely some arrested development on my part because of my companies, right? And so there wasn't a baseline to even measure from, right? The last thing I had was like, well, I'm at home with my parents. This is what life looks like. Now I'm out on my own, but I'm also, you know, carrying around a startup company. This is what life looks like, right? Not exactly a great apples to apples comparison for what a more normal life or like a life that everybody else is leading might look like, right? And I think that's the other challenge we face is that we're so starkly in contrast with what somebody who's just starting their first job out of college 
um, and following a, a more traditional career path looks like, that we can't look around and go, oh, okay, that's, that's what I should feel like. We know that we can't use that as a baseline, but we don't have anything else that we can. You've made a really good point. I, I've never really contemplated it in quite the same way. You and I started early on as teenagers, essentially, in real careers. You know, not just like we were working for somebody else at some intern position. We we're actually the CEOs of our companies. And because of that, in our formative years as adults, we never really got a chance to just be kids in the sense of being in your early 20, you know, college years, et cetera. We went straight to the other side of it. And I remember I really struggled with this, really struggled with this being forced through maturity. So I'd go to work and I was supposed to be some 40 something year old guy. <laughs> right. But I was 22. Yeah, exactly. At 22. Right. And I had the the mental maturity, right? As far as like to run the business, I was fine. Like being mid forties guy, that was cool. Right. That made sense to me. Like business wise, what needed to get done? No worries. But just at the end of the day, I just wanted to go out and hang out with my friends. I just want to do stupid things that you do at 22 years old, but it's not appropriate. Right. Maybe just even get pop culture references. I remember there were long periods of time where people would reference stuff and I would laugh. I had no idea what they were talking about. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> my friends would play new music and I'd be what like, what is it called again? Right. Like I have no, yeah, literally. Yeah. Music was like, there are gaps in my musical lexicon that span like a decade where people are like, oh, do you remember? I'm like, not at all. Yeah, it's painful. But so again, what's it worth? And that's what we're, we keep coming back to is how much of it is too much. And I think that what we'll keep coming back to is we do have to think about what is too much. And I think when we look from the outside and we talk to other folks and we say, hey, man, is this worth it anymore? Often, nobody's even really asked them that question or another founder hasn't asked them that question. Right, right, right. on the context. I was talking to a guy last night. We were at dinner. A great founder has been in it a few years. But he's really worn down. And I asked him, I said, is this worth it anymore? He's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you know, there is a point where this just isn't okay anymore. There is a point where you don't get to see your kids anymore. It's not really okay, right? There's a point where you, you burn through too much cash or your health sucks. It's just not okay. Whatever this thing was supposed to do, it's not worth it. You know, here's the best analogy I can use. And I used it last night. You are an abusive relationship and no one will tell you. And at some point, not worth it anymore. Right. It's not worth it. No, it was never worth it. You just can't see it. Right. And, and that's the thing. Right. So from the inside, it can be it can be such a challenge. Yeah, I think, you know, you referenced 2022, which is now behind us barely. But I never had more of these conversations around, is this worth it? Right. And, and there were times where I initiated that conversation where I was asking out of true concern for a founder's mental, physical, emotional well-being. And there were times where people came to me asking me, is this still worth it, right? Should I still be doing this? And of course, it's really tough, right? It's not basic math. It's not like, well, let's just take a look at your P&L and we'll see, right? It's not that simple. It's super, super complicated calculus that leads us to understanding whether we've crossed an individual's threshold. And of course, you know, you're trying to balance out how close am I to maybe success versus how close am I? to total collapse, you know, physical, mental, financial, whatever. I think there's this idea, and, and I want to, we both want to kill this idea, that I just burn through everything and it's okay because I built something amazing. Right, right. Not it's, really. It's not, I mean, look, it's hey, if it's okay to you, it's okay to you. I, I can't possibly tell you what's okay to you. What I'm saying is it's probably not okay to you. And it's okay to say that. For example, when we talk about the relationships that it costs us, 
you know, a lot of of, uh, of startups are paid for in relationships. I don't think people understand that on the outside. They look at the, the story, the, the rags for riches story, and they think about, wow, the outcome must be great. You know what it costs me to get there? And they just think about money. Oh, you know, you burn through your savings. Well, dude, right? What it costs me? My relationship with my family, right? In that entire time when I wasn't coming home, when I wasn't spending important years, I lost touch with my family. Never caught back up with my family in the same way since, right? That was a cost. If someone could have gone back and say, hey, do you want to pay that for whatever level of success or some next level of success? I would have said no. Yeah. Didn't see it coming. It's funny. We could probably make a great analog here for your personal cap table, right? Yeah. It's, oh, <laughs> I love that. I've never heard personal cap table. I, it happened right here. So if we think about it in that term, Right. We and we do this all the time when we're thinking about, you know, taking on investment or, or you know, hiring people and giving away equity, bringing on a co-founder, whatever. We think about the company's cap table in terms of is what I'm about to gain from this worth what I'm going to give up from my company? But rarely or never do we ask ourselves, is what I'm going to give up personally worth what I think I'm going to gain from this? Right. And my guess is if we actually did that math, we would make very, very different decisions. Because to your point, we can't just simply say, well, the outcome will somehow magically justify it, right? Easy to say when you're third party to it and you're just looking at it. Here's, here's one. Let's use the Egyptian pyramids, right? So the Egyptian pyramids, and I don't remember the exact numbers, but there was a catastrophic amount of loss of life in the construction of those things. Now, we can look at it and go, but they're one of the wonders of the world, right? It was amazing. It was worth it. Unless you were one of the poor bastards that got one of those things dropped on them and died or just, you know, collapsed in the exhaust, right? You don't care, right? You don't care. It wasn't worth it for you. And so I, I think we have to be really careful about, because what we're essentially doing is revisionist history before the fact, right? Sounds bizarre because it is. We're saying, what I'm doing today will someday be worth it when I look back and say, this sacrifice will have gotten me this thing that maybe I won't get. But if I do, it, this will have been worth it. You know, something that's really funny about everything we talk about here is that none of it is new. Everything you're dealing with right now has been done a thousand times before you, which means the answer already exists. You may just not know it, but that's okay. That's kind of what we're here to do. We talk about this stuff on the show, but we actually solve these problems all day long at groups.startups.com. So if any of this sounds familiar, stop guessing about what to do. Let us just give you the answers to the test and be done with it. I'll give you another angle to that. My wife and I, over the past 10 years, have had some opportunities to kind of do some of the things, you know, we've kind of moved around in the country, do some of the things that we thought were going to be the benefit of all those sacrifices. I mean, quite literally, we said, if we make sacrifices for 20 years, then one day we'll be able to do this. And we did that thing. And it was like, cool for a day. Yep. <laughs> I was like, well, shit. <laughs> okay. So I sacrificed for decades so that one day I could have a thing that it turned out when I got it didn't really matter. You know, this is the same thing. If we were to look in, in your parlance, and I love it, the relationship cap table, the, the life cap table, right? If we were to look at that and we were to say, not only how many relationships will I sacrifice, whereas like in my case with my family, you know, we weren't as tight as, as I would have liked to have been. But then there's another side of this. How many relationships don't I have? Because how many people didn't I meet? How many places didn't I go with somebody to have this amazing ex experience, et cetera? Because I thought replacing it with work would have a higher and better outcome. 
Yeah, it was all about the ROI, right? It's just a compounding interest problem, right? We put in time now and magically the universe will make sure to pay us back for that sometime in the future. It doesn't. The universe is a jerk. You mentioned this a moment ago. We're both in our 40s. We both have three, or you have three kids. I have two kids. And we're both in a spot where those moments with our kids, we can't replace. Specifically with kids, you get a very finite window. They're only kids you know, for a short period of time. And every time you sacrifice something, you don't get it back. Stakes go higher, right? So now, if you and I do something work-wise and we give up something with the kids, again, what's too much to sacrifice? It's kind of like, my kid's only going to be a kid once. Work's going to be around forever. Now, that doesn't mean I, it gives me a hall pass to just ignore work. <laughs> right, right. But I should at least be doing the calculus. You have to. You got, you have to. I did this yesterday, right? I made a trade-off yesterday, specifically yesterday. We decided to extend our stay at the coast. Normally, we just go for the weekend, and we come back by Sunday night, and then back in the office on Monday. Uh, it's easy. We couldn't arrange for the surf lessons over the weekend. They couldn't do it till Monday, and I wanted to have, I, my, my daughters have done this twice without me, and I felt it. I could just feel this trade-off of like being three surf lessons behind my daughters, right? They can both just jump on a board. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm like, for whatever it was, I was going to get done on Monday. I'll get done later on Monday. I'll get done on Tuesday. I'll work on Martin Luther King Day. I'll do something to make up for that, but I'm not going to miss this day, right? I said, my this chunk of my personal cap table is not worth whatever else I was going to accomplish in that time. I'll make sure I cover off on the important stuff, got on the leadership call, did what we needed to do, and did the surf lesson, right? And I'm really happy with that decision. Nothing at all. <laughs> now, you got to understand, this isn't like I get to do that, you get to do that every day. But the point is, if you don't use some of your free plays, your get-out-of-jail-free cards, what's the point? What is the point in, in, in what, are, what are we trying to build here, right? Because if you talk to people, especially at the early doughy eye, starry eyed stage, right? Where they're like, I want to be my own boss. I want to set my own schedule. I want to be in charge of my own destiny. Talk to that person three years into their startup. Ask them how in charge they felt of their destiny. Ask them how much time they've exercised that freedom. They'll be like, exactly never, but I still love the idea of it. You know, it's still, it's still one of these days, right? To your point, oh, we'll wait, we'll wait 20 years and we'll sacrifice and then we'll get the, we'll get the LA house. Then you came running right back, right? Because it wasn't what you'd hoped, right? And, and luckily you were smart enough to reverse course and say, hey, we were actually happier doing something different. Let's do that and not just stick with the reward simply because we've earned it, right? Yeah, and that was a tough catharsis because, you know, we got to a point where we get this beautiful house on the side of a mountain and we're like, this is what we sacrificed for, right? And after the first year, we were like, fuck this mountain. It's hard to get up. We don't get any cell service up here. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, we're out of here. I have to look at Channing Tatum's abs every time I drive into town while he's running up the hill. Yeah, I would have made that. That would have made that once. I'd be like, I'm out. <laughs> Better for my wife than me, right? <laughs> but, 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 but all of a sudden, you look at it and go, damn, you start running the math. I look back and say, hmm, how much did I sacrifice for this opportunity? Because, well, one, if I never took it, then it'd be even worse. Number two, now that I've got it, I'm like, damn, I could have spent the past 20 years doing a million other things. Now, I wouldn't have had this opportunity, fair. And you don't know that you, you, know, you want it or you don't need it until you actually have it, so that there's a little bit of a balance. But I look on it, going back to the relationships, and I think to myself, how many relationships aren't better 
because I didn't have that time, didn't devote that time. How many people don't I know because I didn't have that time? And I start to create in my mind, and I know you're doing it too, and I was happy to see it yesterday, a limit switch where you say, this is worth it and this isn't. Because I'm never going to look back on my life and say, oh my God, remember that one time I didn't go surfing with my kids so that <laughs> yeah. I could go write some SEO content or something? Man, like that piece has performed so well. I wonder how <laughs> my kids are. They haven't called me in years, right? Like never going to be a trade-off I want to have made. Exactly. And so the last piece though that I think is worth talking about, it's the one that's the most obvious, which is financially. What is the level of financial health that I'm willing to sacrifice in order to be more wealthy. Now, here's the idea. The idea is I'm going to sacrifice a lot. I'm going to bet my credit, whatever forms of it. I'm going to bet my savings, et cetera. And I'm willing to go in a certain amount of debt or go broke, et cetera, because I know the benefit will be so much higher. Now, of course, if we knew the benefit would be that, we'd be fine with it, maybe. Yeah, if it was a certainty, right? If we were if we were putting this into a certificate deposit with a guaranteed rate of return, different story. That is not what a startup is. It's exactly the opposite. But now let's play this out. Now you're three, five, seven years in, and you're not only broke, you are bankrupt broke. You might you have negative money. You have negative money. And let's play with that. So I've referenced before that, like by the time I was 22, I was a hundred thousand dollars in personal debt. With the marketability, like if I went out and, and got a job to make five to seven dollars per hour at Best yeah. Buy, best case. Yes. So, so uh, <laughs> what are what are your core skills? I can rack up debt faster than any oh my other God, twenty-two right? year old. Yeah, I I, know, I'm right? I'm firing through bankruptcy. I'm starting yep. my career bankrupt. And so, at what point is it too much? Now, things turned around. We made a big business out of it, and it makes a cool story when it works. Everybody in Vegas that's been there long enough has a great story about when they bet hard and it worked. Every broker has a great story about a stock that they bet hard, took a chance, and it worked, right? But most of them <laughs> have a story where they lost everything. Right. Unfortunately, it's usually after the success story, right? They're back to where they started again. So a uh, good friend, founder from last year, and I, I, I could tell a hundred of these stories just from last year, but he gets to a point where he's taken on gobs of debt. The point the, where you start signing personally for debt, because you have to, because you're just out of choices that, at that point, and you sign assuming that, yes, it's going to suck, but I'll make it through. But those debts come due. Those personal guarantees get called. And now all of a sudden, those debt collectors, they're calling your parents. They're calling your loved ones, trying to collect those debts. They're showing up at your house trying to collect those debts. That happened. And now these folks, right, founders like us, are in such peril, and you step back, and you say, wait a minute, was going this broke worth anything that it was going to have benefited you? Because when you sign those notes, and again, you're in a horrible place by the time you're signing those notes, but when you sign those notes, there has to be a limit switch that says, you know what, I really hope this works, but if it doesn't, I'm not willing to go that, that in debt, like, F that. Um, there has to be a point where you just say no mas. It's so hard. I mean, this, these were some of the conversations that I had last year. I mean, and they're still occurring, but last year was like the pinnacle of this out of all of the years we've been doing this and talking to founders. I never had to have this conversation more often and, and also you know, in more dire straits than, than I'd ever seen before. People making decisions that I had never seen before because they wanted to see it out or they thought they wanted to see it out. They didn't want to see it out, but they couldn't admit to themselves or to anybody else around them 
that it was time to just call the spade the spade and and be done with it. And it is really hard, right? Because you don't know, right? Because for every hundred of those stories I have, I have one where somebody was on that precipice. And then shortly thereafter, everything turned around, right? And everybody's heard of one of these. And I think this is part of the problem, right? You just one more, just one more. Let me just, let me, let me just go, let me see what they'll give me for my watch. And I'll, I'll just double down, you know, we'll put it all on, on 32, whatever. I mean, that's a number on the, on the roulette table. So it shows you how much I know about gambling, but it doesn't work. It doesn't. That's the problem, right? It, it consistently in putting yourself in financial peril because you might win later, technically you've already lost. <laughs> you've guaranteed the loss and you've maybe gotten some upside. And I got to tell you, having gone through it personally, I wish someone could have pulled me aside and just said, stop doing this. Now that prevented me straight up from having the success that I had with that particular venture. And it would have been worth it because at the, again, you don't know, but at the time, what it would have saved me because uh, that could that was one degree away from going totally different and ruining my entire life. So, so you've got it it helped me dramatically, but it could have also just as soon ruined my entire life. More likely, more likely that it would have been ruined your entire life, right? I, I guaranteed at the moment you made those decisions, there were a hundred, two hundred, four hundred other people making similar decisions that don't have the same story that you have now, right? We know this to be true we often don't realize at the time is we're so caught up in that this has to be the way we make wealth. It has to be this thing. I'll give you some examples. So in the past year, it's been one of the greatest down round periods in like the history of startups. And for those that aren't familiar, a down round is when you raise at a lower valuation than you raised on your last round. So Ryan and I started a company, we raised at a hundred million dollars. It sounds amazing, but then things go horribly in the next round, we have to raise at $10 million, which means the value of our stock just craters. Makes everybody in the cap table super happy. There's been more down rounds than ever. We've set the record in down rounds, which means last year sucked. I say that to say, you now have all of these founders that are looking at what it used to be, that $100 million. And now they're looking at what it is, the $10 million. But in their minds, this is the only way they're ever going to make money. And I say that to mean they think that if I don't hold on to this and ride it to the bottom of the ocean, and again, I hope they all go great. This isn't, I'm not betting against that. I'm saying as being the founder friend, we have to tell you that we'll do something else. Start from zero. It's better than starting at negative 100. Negative 100. That's exactly it, right? I think this was this was a phrase that came up a couple of times in, in these conversations, and it was there's only one certainty here, right? You can lock in the losses. You can lock in the losses. You cannot lock in the win, right? You cannot lock in the win if you're already in a losing position. You may dig yourself out. You might. No way of me knowing that, right? I don't have a crystal ball that can help me tell that. What I can tell you is if you sign on the line, you are locking in those losses and you will be liable for them, right? And so we have to be super, super careful about saying like, is it worth it and why, right? Is it because I don't want to go do anything else and I fully accept the risk? Or is it I'm afraid that I'll never be able to do anything better than this again and this is my one shot or that if I don't turn this around or I have to turn this around or my life is ruined, you're kind of guaranteeing that you're about to ruin your life if that's the way you're looking at this. And so this is where we got to be like super, super careful when we tiptoe this line. 
let's say you're five years into the business and things didn't go well. Again, you're in down round situation or you burn through your cash or whatever. My answer often is stop doing it, which at the time is heretical to hear. It, does. it feels awful. And it feels awful to have somebody else tell you that. Even if you've already decided that in your deepest, darkest chamber of your heart, it's the worst thing in the world to hear that from somebody else. And yet, it winds up being the most powerful thing you can do because you get to reset and reload to go do something positive. I think when we get to that point, and again, this is often mirrors relationships, like you know the battered spouse, we forget that that's not normal, that that behavior, that that feeling, you wake up every day in absolute misery, isn't the way it's supposed to be. You don't have to do that. You can. You can choose every day to keep doing it. And I won't pretend to outline everybody's situations, but the, the one thing that remains constant is that we do have a choice as to where we want to take things. We can get off the train. Now, sometimes it's harder than others. I've been chained to stuff as well. Oh, man. How many founders do we talk to who have the equivalent of Stockholm Syndrome, right? They are, they are in love with the thing that took them hostage. And it's hard, right? It's really hard. This is why we need to hear it from somebody else. But to your point, then once they do hear that and they, they do the hard thing, it can be really freeing, right? And go on to do that other thing, right? You're walking around with a you know 500-pound anchor around your neck. You're not going to get very far, right? And it's not to say that just like, oh, well, yeah, just start quitting stuff and that's the key to victory. <laughs> also not that. But there has to be a point at which you say, I've fallen you know, afoul of the sunk cost fallacy. Something's gone on here where I've decided to start making bad decisions because things have gone poorly and I'm going to make worse decisions to try to make up for that. It just doesn't work, right? You just start to compound your losses, not dig yourself out of the hole. And the key with that is just calling your limits. That's really what this is about. It's about looking at all the different categories that we talked about, uh, your health, your relationships, your wealth, in saying, what are my limits? And I think part of that is talking to those limits, about those limits to other founders, specifically saying, this feels a little funky. What do you think? And you know what they're going to tell you? Get out. <laughs> yeah, get out while you can. <laughs> tell you with yep. certainty. And listen, listen to what they're saying, because often when we're in the middle of it, you said it so perfectly, the Stockholm Syndrome, we can't see it. But the truth is, if we communicate our limits and at least discuss the limits and where we're willing to go in each of these different categories, at least we stand a chance. So in addition to all the stuff related to founder groups, you've also got full access to everything on startups.com. That includes all of our education tracks, which will be funding, customer acquisition, even how to manage your monthly financers. There's so much stuff in there. All of our software, including BizPlan for putting together detailed business plans and financials, LaunchRock for attracting early customers, and of course, Fundable for attracting investment capital. When you log into the startups.com site, you'll find all of these resources available.